Welcome back to Random Trek, the podcast where I, your host, Scott McNulty, discuss a random episode of Star Trek with a non-random guest. My non-random guest today is Joe Rosenstiel. Joe, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me on, Scott. I'm very excited because I know you have many opinions, many strongly held opinions about Star Trek. I, I know this because sometimes you write blog posts about uh, podcasts in which I have shared my opinions about Star Trek. Uh, and you have differing opinions. So that's exciting. Yeah, well, uh, generally I agree with you, uh, but I almost never agree with Dan Warren. Um, well, who, who r- agrees with Dan Warren? Runabouts are not a good ship. <laughs> oh, well, the runabouts, yes. that's. Yeah. I'm still wondering about that, but Dan, what can you do about Dan? <laughs> uh, well, how, how might the people uh, in internet land or podcast land uh, or any of the lands uh, know of you? Um, I'm a... Uh, I work in visual effects, uh, but I they would know me from uh, a podcast I do with a co-host called Defocused, um, and I've been on two incomparable episodes, so that was amazing. Uh, and uh, the, the, that that would generally be, I think, where <laughs> anyone who would listen to this might know me from. <laughs> and those two incomparable podcasts, I was not on. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is the first time we've been on a podcast together. Is that that's exciting? Yes, for for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I'm excited. I don't know if you are. Um, yes. So we are – you're here. I'm also excited because you're here on a very uh, a historic event in Random Trek history because you were the lucky fellow who drew the first two-part episode. Uh, we did All Good Things, which is, I think, kind of a, a supersized episode. They broke it up into two, but really it's uh, really meant, I think, to be watched in one sitting uh, whereas this episode that were episodes I should talk about uh, from Voyager Workforce Part One and Workforce Part Two <laughs> is uh, certainly designed to be a two-part episode, uh, and is of course from Voyager, one of my favorite Star Trek series. Uh, but speaking of favorite Star Trek series, now I know usually I ask people if they are Star Trek fans. I know you are a Star Trek fan, so I don't need to ask that. Uh, but what is your favorite series? Uh. This is hard because it's I, I my my favorite. Like if you if you were to say you can only have one Star Trek that you can you know have, then it would probably be a, a Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. But Star Trek: Deep Space Nine holds a uh, special place uh, because I think the storytelling is far more complex and nuanced than it is in uh, Next Generation. You are correct in, in in those statements because that is in fact what I would answer should uh, I be asked this question. Um, so why don't I ask what's your least favorite Star Trek series? Uh, Enterprise, which really should not <laughs> shock anyone. Um, oh, Enterprise. So, well, you see, at least you did get a two-part Enterprise episode. Um, so there's the yes. upside. It could, could be worse. Could be uh, Stormfront. That's um, right. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even know what the, what happened in Stormfront. I blocked many Enterprise episodes out of my mind. Uh, you'll you'll get to it eventually. <laughs> I, I'm sure. That's the beauty of this uh, podcast. Uh, so, Star Trek. When did you first become interested in Star Trek? Oh, uh, when I was a little kid, uh, my uh, mom, I think, was watching some of the uh, Next Generation episodes when they were airing. She was not a big fan, but would turn it on occasionally. Uh, so it was sort of a casual viewing experience. Uh, and uh, my dad. Uh, uh, would also watch some of the classic stuff in the movies. So, uh, w- like, the first Star Trek I saw in theaters was Star Trek VI, uh, Undiscovered Country. Um, and that 
uh, was great. And by that point, I was definitely a fan, you know, uh, building models that had lopsided nacelles and everything. Uh, and then uh, that love endured, but kind of tapered off uh, and turned into more of a uh, a critical love-hate relationship with Star Trek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's that's might be where I am at the moment. Be- thanks mostly to this project that I'm doing this this wacky little podcast because I have uh, for for a long time I've obviously been a Star Trek fan, but I didn't really watch Star Trek with a critical eye. I just kind of was like, oh, look at Star Trek, and if I wasn't enjoying the episode, I would just stop watching the episode. Um, but now. I have to watch them. <laughs> um, and there are some not-so-great episodes of Star Trek out there. Uh, there are something like 681 entries on my little spreadsheet here, uh, and a lot of those entries, not very good. But there are some amazing episodes of Star Trek and movies that I think... Uh, so when you average it out, overall, still, Star Trek is better than Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> which we do, we're recording on the day that the big... Uh, second teaser trailer for The Force Awakens uh, was released. So everybody's uh, crazy about that because uh, it's got uh, Mark Hamill doing his little voiceover and stuff. So, Yeah, I was listening to uh, The Incomparables uh, live <laughs> yes. stream on mm-hmm. my drive uh, to, to record this. And uh, I was just thinking, man, they, these, these people would be so disappointed if they watched Workforce. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but, you know, to be fair, trailers have a much, well, it's both harder and easier job, right? Because they're, they're short, so you can, you can pump them full of the exciting things. So I bet if you take the uh, maybe hour and a half or whatever it is of Workforce, shrink it down to an, a minute you could probably make a pretty exciting trailer for Workforce, uh, and especially for the first episode, like the first couple of minutes, there's some really good, uh, for the time, kind of effects. With There's an elevator that I liked, and the city looks kind of cool, and then they never use those shots again. Uh, so I, I imagine that would feature prominently in a trailer, uh, but then you watch the actual episodes, and you're like, ugh, this is not so good. <laughs> yeah. But let's, let's get into this... Uh, uh, episode. Uh, well, why don't we just talk about Voyager in general? Because you know we have so much time to talk about stuff. Uh, <laughs> what What are your feelings about Voyager? Um, n- not there's there's not a huge amount of love in my heart for Voyager. Uh, it it think, fortunately uh, Enterprise came out, so it is not my least favorite. <laughs> uh, I guess you could say, but uh, it's it's a lot of it. Even from early on, like I w- I really wanted it to be great, and mm-hmm. then after watching Caretaker, I was like maybe it'll be better and then it it just kept getting worse that whole first season and i kind of tuned out i think for most of the second season until they had that episode where uh seska came back um Mm -hmm. and i then i just proceeded to watch the rest of it um especially after they uh, had futures end with the time travel thing and then they uh uh, bumped off kess um and had uh seven of nine come on um who i was very skeptical of at first but uh because it just seems so terrible to put her in that outfit. Uh, but but she she herself is an interesting uh, character, and the actress playing her is is, is adept at what she's doing. Uh, so I, I feel the series uh, is unfairly maligned as like oh it's the worst because it's not it's it's just sort of 
mediocre with like highs and lows um and you can generally find something interesting in every bad episode and you can generally find something bad in every good episode so it's it's just sort of a weirdly like overall middling uh series and it doesn't have the uh big episodic storytelling um and certainly doesn't maintain any continuity of what happens and <laughs> like children come on board oh i bet that'll come up later okay now we're down to two kids um <laughs> for some reason uh and and the maquis that that really went somewhere um but the uh that that's one of those things where it's just like it doesn't have that but then they would sprinkle in these two-parters in order to like compensate for that and mm. i felt like towards the end there were a lot of two-parters um and uh not not many of them were good because it was sort of like you were taking um uh, the cliffhangers of uh, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and then just sort of putting them randomly throughout the series so that people would tune in next Wednesday uh, on UPN, and it, it just it it didn't it didn't win me over. Like the, the I just sort of watched it while not liking it, uh, <laughs> and and the finale I think is the second worst finale of all of the Star Treks. Um, Which is well, obviously Enterprise is the worst. Yeah, finale. <laughs> yeah. Without a doubt, um, and uh, it doesn't leave me with warm feelings uh, towards the series in general. Mm. By the end, <laughs> yeah, I don't have as as is well documented. I do not have warm feelings towards Voyager. Although, as I am watching, I did just stop watching Voyager. So there are many episodes that I have never seen um, because I am not a completist. Uh, and these, these two episodes are, fall into the category of entirely new to me, uh, and also. Why I stopped watching Voyager, <laughs> because I honestly have no idea why this is a two-part episode. Uh, I feel like it could have been easily done in one episode, uh, where they could have cut out a whole bunch of crap uh, and streamlined the story, because the story is kind of interesting, uh, but I don't think it's an, there's n- enough there for a two-parter. Yeah, I completely agree. This it feels so very padded out, and it, it's weird too in that um, the first and second part also have like weird little side story things that don't mm-hmm. kind of go anywhere uh, <laughs> between the two parts. Uh, I don't know if we're ready to talk about the episode. Or oh, not, which, but... we are ready to talk about the episode. Okay. Well, the uh, like the bartender. Mm-hmm. I. I figured they were doing all that setup for something, and then we <laughs> never saw her again. <laughs> nope, she she's yeah. just a bartender who yeah. has like a feather hat, uh, or that maybe she just has feathers for hair or something. I don't know. She's an alien. There are a lot of aliens in this episode. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I I am perplexed by this episode. Although it has Don Most in it, good old Ralph Mouth from Happy Days. So uh, <laughs> how bad could it be? Uh, uh. Pretty bad is the answer. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. I guess we'll, why don't we just recap quickly what happens? Uh, because not a lot really happens, and then we can talk about particular things. Uh, so the first episode, the first part, we find out. Uh, you know, it opens with Janeway, but she's wearing a jumpsuit, which you can always—it's not her normal uniform. It's a, <laughs> it's a, you know, a, a future factory worker jumpsuit. Uh, and, uh, she's in this big factory planet, I guess, or the power station. She's somewhere and she's walking around. She's looking around. We see this, uh, city that's clearly not the Voyager. Uh, she goes down this elevator, which is cool. Uh, and then they never show that elevator again. I was like, that's the coolest thing in this episode. Uh, but nothing happens there. Uh, and so she's late for work or something. I don't know. And, uh, she, 
that's really the beginning, right? She goes in, she's like, oh, I, this is my new job. The guy's like, you're late, but here's your console. Uh, and so it, it turns out, I'm going to skip a lot of stuff, <laughs> that uh, throughout the episode or this part of the episode, uh, it's clear that Janeway, Captain Janeway, doesn't know that she's Captain Janeway. She just thinks she's Catherine Janeway uh, and she's a worker on this planet. She meets Seven of Nine, who doesn't know she's Seven of Nine. Uh, she, uh, but she knows her real name, I guess. Was that her real name? Uh, yeah, Annika Hansen. Hansen. Yeah. Uh, so she's the efficiency expert, which was kind of funny. Uh, Tuvok is there. He's uh, l- laughing at jokes, so that's very weird. Uh, that was a very strange scene. Uh, Tom Paris is there, but he doesn't know he's Tom Paris. Well, he knows he's Tom Paris, but he doesn't know. So none of them remember that they were on Voyager, right? So Tom Paris is yeah. there. Bolano is there. Uh, Seven of Nine is there. And uh, Janeway is there. Anybody else? Is there? No, that's it. Uh, so they're all oh, well. on this planet. They keep referring to all these random crew members we've never ever oh, seen yes. before. and there are plenty of other crew members yeah. that no one ever talks about, uh, yeah. except for this episode. And so they're all either working at this power plant, or in the case of Tom Paris, who got fired by Seven of Nine, which is kind of funny, working at this weird cafe-slash-bar thing, <laughs> uh, yeah. which is like one of the saddest cafes I have ever seen. Uh, and people order... Uh, dinner and then they get like a small plate with like uh the the colored blocks from the original series on it uh, which is very strange but so they're there it's one of those things where it's just it's probably this this is why they have a a work shortage really is (laughs) is that they can't attract uh people to come to this planet it's just not a desirable location yeah and that's the other thing everybody's talking about there's a labor shortage we need workers uh and it's very competitive and Captain Janeway apparently took the wrong shuttle somewhere, so she ended up in another part of the planet. And the guy was like, oh, I'm surprised they didn't offer you a job. And she's like, well, I really love power plants, so I wouldn't have taken a job there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> because who doesn't love power plants? Uh. <laughs> and I did notice in the, the set of the power plant, uh, which I then thought, oh, maybe this is going to be like some kind of Borg-related episode. They have those, uh, the circular Borg regeneration pod things uh, inset in their consoles uh, with the, you know, the, the green lightning things that go around. I don't know what they're called, but so that made me excited because I thought, oh, maybe this is going to be a Borg episode, but it, it wasn't. They just were reusing stuff that they had, I assume. <laughs> uh, so then I got sad at the end because there were no Borg. <laughs> Oh yeah, the, they reused a lot more than just those little green things. Um, this this episode is full of repurposed uh, stuff from Deep Space Nine, from uh, uh, all kinds of places. It's it's actually kind of startling uh, how many things get reused. <laughs> well, they had they had to keep the budget down. And also, I was I was watching this. I was surprised in the credits, which I don't really pay attention to. Uh, Don Most, which I mentioned already, was there. And I was like, what? Uh, so I had to make sure, I had to Google him to make sure he was who I thought he was. And he is, in fact, who I thought he was. Uh, and then this was written by Brian Fuller uh, and Kenneth Biller, who I don't know who Kenneth Biller is. Uh, but Brian Fuller is uh, responsible for many hours of TV enjoyment from me. Uh, not these particular hours in particular, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah. Well, it all averages out in the end, I guess. It, it does. Uh, and so I was surprised to see that. I was like, oh, well, maybe this will be good. Um, and it wasn't. So, But it needed like a pie man or something to, to save it. Uh, but there's no pie in this episode. So they're all on this planet. They don't know why they're on this planet. They don't know that they sh- should know why they're on this planet, I guess. They just accept that they've all 
it is very unclear. They all seem to, their memories start three weeks ago, but none of them seem to question that, which seems odd. <laughs> and yeah. they remember their names and where they're from, but uh, Janeway says, oh, I'm from Earth. And someone says, oh, what's Earth like? And she says, well, it's hardly overpopulated and uh, you can't find any work. Uh, which is not true. So I guess they also have some false memories. Uh, at this point in the episode, we don't know. But here's a spoiler alert. Uh, Ralph Mouth fiddled with their memories <laughs> because he needed to get workers for the power mm. plant and he's going to get a kickback or something. <laughs> it's very complicated. Uh, the, I, I, the, the whole... This plan, <laughs> this plan is so dumb. I, 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 I like. I understand the, that it's here as a contrivance in order mm-hmm. to to set up this unique and interesting situation of uh, the crew uh, no longer on the the way home, just getting used to life. And like, if they didn't know who they were, how would these people come to meet each other for the first time? Mm-hmm. Like there, there's some that could be interesting. Could then be. constructing this plot where they're doing this whole memory reconstruction <laughs> thing so that they can fill in positions at a power plant is just. <laughs> Who's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who thought, you know what this story needs? More labor shortages and power plants. Because really, that's what people want to see. Uh, it, it is very strange. And I also thought I made a little, obviously, right, we need the characters that we know to meet each other quickly. Um, but I thought it was awfully convenient on this giant planet that everybody we know from Voyager that's on the planet is working in the same power plant. Uh but you know, clearly they're they're telling they have a show and they need the stars stars to be on it. But it just, yeah, well, it's kind of like... it was also very strange that the uh, you would take someone that you you need these trained laborers and you take some people who might theoretically be good at something, but mm-hmm. not at whatever it is that you're going to task them with, <laughs> and then you reprogram them so that they are happy there, and then put them in front of an engineering console. Uh, it seems more practical to take people who are happy there and reprogram them so that they know how to do the engineering tasks. Uh, it's 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 so silly because it, it's like how are how do they just show up at this and there's this console and they push buttons and then that's all they do all day is they stand there and they push buttons on this on this power console. Well, and sometimes you have to talk to the console as uh, Captain Janeway does to make it yes. do what she wants. Yes, uh, and and, I, and she meets her uh, friend through. through oh, that that's true. There's this. This is one of the subplots. Is she has a a, a love interest, uh, whose name I can't remember, but he's a dude who helps her uh, fix. She presses the wrong button on her console, and it starts bell an alarm, and she's embarrassed. She whispers to it, and then he comes over and helps her, and he's like, uh, "You're new here," and then uh, in like two days, she's moving in with him, and they're gonna get married. Although they never say they're gonna get married, but. <laughs> It was implied, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, and my my other so you 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 see this planet right? Uh, well, we don't see the planet at the beginning. We just see this factory, and you think, oh well, it's probably maybe a slightly less advanced technically planet, and that's why they need all these workers. But then later in the episode, we see that they have like giant space stations and lots of ships orbiting their planet. And my thought is, why don't they automate this stuff? And then they don't need all these workers. <laughs> yeah, it it it's uh, so many problems. <laughs> so so many problems. Yeah, somebody really liked this idea and was like, "It's gonna work," and uh, it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, and so that, they're on the planet, and then you think, "Well, Scott, 
you haven't mentioned my favorite characters yet. Neelix, <laughs> Harry Kim, and Chakotay. <laughs> they rounded them all up for you. <laughs> they did. And put them on a shuttlecraft. Uh, so apparently those three dudes were off uh, negotiating some kind of trade agreement with some aliens. And they have a cargo bay full of supplies. Uh, and Neelix tricked Harry Kim eating, into drinking some meat juice. And Harry Kim has an upset stomach, uh, and so they're going back to rendezvous with Voyager, but Odo, Voyager, isn't where they thought Voyager should be, and so they freak out a little bit, and Harry Kim has to get up and help Chakotay, even though he has an upset stomach, uh, and they find out, they find Voyager very quickly. And in a nice scene, I like the scene of Voyager hiding in the nebula, like the look of it. It looked cool. Uh, we saw that for maybe like three seconds, but it looked cool. Uh, and then we find out they, they beam on. And then we go to the Voyager, actually, and uh, the Doctor, who also has not been uh, on the planet, is all alone on Voyager. And he is attempting, on a, a badly damaged Voyager, I should say. Uh, and he is attempting to fix Voyager. Uh, and ha there's a, a, a nice little scene with the doctor talking to the computer and getting very frustrated with the computer's not-so-helpful answers, uh, which I thought was amusing. Yes, yeah. and it, at first it doesn't make a lot of sense why <laughs> the computer is not helpful to him and he, he still seems to be able to operate while the com main computer can't, but then, of course, later on it's revealed that, of course, he was downloaded to mm -hmm. his uh, portable hollow emitter and that's why he's not as affected by uh, all the shenanigans that have <laughs> uh, fallen on uh, the, the main computer and the ship. That's right, and if you are an eagle-eye viewer, which I was not when I first watched this, but I watched it twice, so then I knew, you will notice <laughs> that the Doctor is uh, wearing red command when in this scene, um, and so that you're like, what's, what's going on there? Uh, if you notice, I didn't notice, but <laughs> uh, then Chakotay and Harry Kim find Voyager, they beam over, the computer says, oh no, they're intruders, which didn't really make any sense to me, because you would think mm. the computer, like the comm badges or something, would identify themselves to the computer, but I think they just wanted to have a cute little scene, and so the doctor goes to the bridge and says, hey, you intruders, get out, and then it's Harry Kim and Chakotay, and he's like, well, Chakotay can stay, uh... No, they all stay. Uh, and then we get the, the backstory of what happened. Uh, the Voyager uh, hit a subspace mine, uh, which caused a lot of radiation to come into the ship, and everybody was uh, irradiated, and the doctor was trying to fix them, but then Captain Janeway was like, we've got to abandon ship, and we'll go to this some planet and chill for a little bit until you can come and save us, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this she she seemed really ready to leave the ship very quickly. Yes, she was uh, like, "We gotta go." <laughs> it's very uncharacteristic for her, given that all the other times that uh, leaving a ship has come up in the series, like Year of Hell and uh, etc. Yeah, I, I didn't quite understand why she was so quick to like say, "We've gotta go." Uh, so, but she does. She transfers mm -hmm. command. Uh, well, she engages the emergency command hologram, uh, which is the Doctor wearing a. Uh, a red command uniform and having command codes, I suppose. Uh, and according to Memory Alpha, this is the second time the emergency command hologram has been activated on Voyager. And uh, Memory Alpha would not lie to me. So, no. Well, it, it was actually a callback to uh, Tinker Taylor, uh, uh, Dr. Spy, from oh. earlier in this season. 
which is a good episode, actually. Um, it, it, its plot is likewise full of holes, but it is... <laughs> it's uh, fun. It's fun. Uh, so uh, that that's nice to see this come up again. Unfortunately, I don't think that it's used super well, but it, it, it does... It's nice to have a nod to that earlier episode about the Doctor's ambitions and seeing them fulfilled here. Mm -hmm. And it is clear that the Doctor enjoys being the emergency command hologram throughout this episode uh, and the next. Uh, And I enjoy it because he is very snippy with Harry Kim. Uh, And so that's always a plus in my book. Uh, And Harry Kim, I feel like now I don't I am no fan of Harry Kim. Uh, I feel like they really made him annoying in this episode. <laughs> he he is excruciating. Um, I, I they they have some back and forth with him and the doctor about who's in charge mm-hmm. and like what plans they'll follow, and it's just so tedious because I just don't care for Harry Kim at all. Like I, it's not even one of those things where it's like, oh no, it's 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 like two people I care about are fighting. It's like, nope, just I w- I want him to to stop talking because the doctor is uh, amazing. So. <laughs> There we That's go. Right. Stop. Just listen yeah. to the Doctor Harry. Go, go. You know, scan a bulkhead or something. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't. Anyway, so they go off, uh, and it turns out the Doctor finds out uh, that. He, well, he doesn't find out. He what? The Voyager is attacked by some ships because they think it's empty, so they're going to take it. Uh, but the the Doctor's there, and so he's like, "I'm not going to give up the ship." And so they try to attack him. The Doctor, being an emergency command hologram. Uh, fends off the attack and hides in a nebula, uh, and he does some... Uh, and I, it is unclear also to me how one hologram can manage this entire ship that has a giant crew, but that's another point. I guess he can. the computer can do a lot, too. I don't know. The crew is well, not needed. <laughs> they've, they've automated a lot of stuff on these Federation ships before, uh, like in Star Trek III, etc. Yeah, you you don't need, like, a, a big crew. But, you know, when stuff goes wrong, then that's what you need a crew for because you can't fix anything. <laughs> As the doctor uh, points out. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, he, he is able to hide away, uh, and he figures out that the subspace mine, which they knew it was a subspace mine, but he figures out it was an actual weapon, not some kind of uh, accident. And the weapons that the ships were using to attack Voyager when they thought it was empty match the subspace mine. So it's some kind of big plot. Uh, and we find out in the next episode that this whole plot is because this planet has a lab- uh, uh, a skilled labor shortage. <laughs> and so they Shanghai passing starships and take their crew and change their memories so they never know that they are starship crews but they think that they've always been factory workers. I have a lot of problems with (laughs) employing the military here, uh, multiple military ships, Mm -hmm. in order to, you know, go find people uh, and and take them. Uh, It doesn't doesn't seem like that's a good use of personnel. No. Uh, They should be in the factories. (laughs) Yeah, pushing random buttons on those consoles. Those buttons don't push themselves. (laughs) They should ask the. They should have asked Janeway. They're like, "Hey, you have a super automated ship. Can you help us automate our factories?" <laughs> yeah. Can you can you make it so uh, this process is just slightly less excruciatingly manual? Because um, <laughs> it it seems incredibly tedious for anybody uh, to to do any of this stuff that's in this episode. Yes, yeah. because so the factory. If if the person listening to this podcast has not seen these episodes. And you probably don't need to see these episodes. Uh, the power plant is is shown as like a, an open floor plan kind of thing with these uh, tall 
numerous consoles that people stand in front of and push buttons on, and then they walk to different ones and push buttons, uh, seemingly at random, and that somehow controls the power plant. <laughs> yeah, it is the epitome of busy work. Yes, there, there, there are a lot of buttons to push, and a lot of people, a lot of aliens, so there's lots of makeup on this episode, um, pushing buttons. Uh, well, the, not to go off on a tangent, but the, the makeup in this episode did not win me over. Um, I, I was not impressed by the design of uh, w- Jeff and with the two little like gill things on the sides of his temples. Mm-hmm. And then uh, all of the rest of the, I guess, native aliens of this planet with the little things on their lips. Yes. Um, it, it it sort of muddled all their lines. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I can see why they usually stick to foreheads uh, with the with the makeup. Uh, so that that was unfortunate, especially since they were supposed to seem like nefarious. It, it, it just seemed kind of dopey uh, uh, instead. Yeah, it it is true. Um, this whole episode is kind of dopey. Uh, yeah. And so they are. So we've got everybody on Voyager. Well, three people on Voyager, and they try to fix Voyager and figure out if they could find uh, where their crew has gone. Uh, the Doctor is feeling very commandy, uh, and so he is a little upset when Chakotay is like, hey, you should go fix something on whatever deck 10. And the doctor's like, well, can't you do that? And Chakotay's <laughs> like, uh, what did you just say? <laughs> uh, but then Chakotay actually goes off and does it uh, because something else happens, and so he's like, you have the bridge, doctor. And the doctor's very excited about that. Uh, and actually, if you look at the way the doctor has handled himself as he's the emergency command hologram, he does a pretty good job. Uh, yeah, I mean, considering he's a doctor, he's he's you know saved the ship. Uh, yes. Yeah, he good he job. fends off. He does a he shoots a photon torpedo and then phasers it and blows up some ships. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Harry Kim doubted that it would work, but it did. So in your face, Harry Kim. Uh, well. Then Harry Kim, at the end, he decides that uh, he comes up with his own ruse uh, to launch some, uh, um, what are they, Light, uh, escape pods, and then blow them up when uh, the marauding ships put them in their tractor beams. To which I thought, they only had five escape pods. Uh, and then they blew up three of them. Uh, so do they make new escape pods, or... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe that's a, going to be a stipulation of the next trade agreement they all go negotiate. <laughs> we need more escape pods. But I suppose yeah. if you're going to, you you either, your choice is either lose Voyager or lose three escape pods. You will pick losing three escape pods. So, uh, Well, I, they've also presumably lost all of the other escape pods that yes. uh, <laughs> went, went away. I can't imagine that the marauding aliens were like, yeah, we should keep these as evidence. <laughs> these are super cool. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and so... That is, and then, well, I guess I'll continue with the plot, even though it's it's we're jumping around a little bit. Uh, yeah. So, long story short, which is probably too late now, uh, Tuvok starts having flashbacks to uh, his actual memories, uh, and he gets uh, suspicious and a little crazy. Uh, and it turns out they every all the factory workers need to be inoculated against some radiation or something. Uh, but this is actually part of the they need their brainwashing juice i guess <laughs> and if you don't have it you start remembering things so as tuvok uh has this strong aversion to needles because he remembers uh he has a memory of some people holding him down and shooting him full of something so he yeah. avoids it. it that does seem very strange 
Well, the whole episode is strange, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of those things where if they've only taken, you know, a certain number of people, uh, but they somehow all require inoculations, including uh, Jaffin, who mm-hmm. wasn't brainwashed, then it's like, do they mix a special cocktail? Then then they're like, no, you get in that line. And then you guys come over here. <laughs> We're going to shoot you up uh, with this totally the same stuff yeah. uh, as everybody else. We should We should talk about this because so the the conspiracy the main thrust of this whole thing is that uh this doctor played by Ralph Mouth uh is has this conspiracy uh where he drugs people wipes their memories and makes them laborers right uh and he gets a kickback from various factories i guess cuz he's done it with several thousand people we find out uh but the prime minister or whoever has no idea that this is going on uh but yet the doctor is able to use uh, Ralph Mouth, in this case, not the doctor, uh, like military ships to enact his plan. And like, this is a huge conspiracy that is seemingly insane, <laughs> but no yeah. one notices it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, I, I guess it's, a, you know, uh, it, it was a whole section six thing, uh, which is, I think, supposed to sound ominous, but <laughs> it, it, it's not really that ominous. And uh, the... Uh, he talks about how he has the the director or something, not not the person who's running this planet. Um, right, but the whatever. director of the power plant, right? Well, I thought I thought it was something like a the higher up that was in charge of our detective. Oh, buddy. that's right. Yeah, because he gets kicked out of his job. Yeah, or put on leave or, or something. something. Yes, he's like, yeah. give me your badge and your gun. <laughs> yeah, but they don't actually have that scene. Because no, uh, I don't think he has a badge or a gun. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he has a note, like a, a PDA, and that's about yeah. it. Um, yeah, it, it just seems very strange. The more I think about it, the, the stranger this whole plot is. Um, but anyway, so Tuvok is, is, says something's up, so I'm not getting these inoculations. Um, and that means that he has more and more flashbacks. Uh, and then Seven of Nine, being the efficiency experts, like, hey, Tuvok. You've not had your injections. Uh, what up with that? And he's like, we know each other. We shouldn't be here. And then some people drag him away so that uh, Ralph Mouth can uh, put him on a bed and put a little thing on his head and erase his memory, it seems. Uh, yeah. Well, he does He does mind meld with Seven, and he has a scene where he talks to the captain beforehand. And then, Yeah, he's, he's trying to tell them all that they shouldn't be there, but nobody really believes him. Although Seven, with the mind meld, she... She starts seeing uh, some of her old memories, so she starts looking into it. Um, but that all happens in the second episode. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've we've missed any high points in the first episode. Uh, uh, well, I, more accurate to say, we've missed anything that's not super low. Um, <laughs> the, the the other uh, thing here is uh, they decide to have this plan of where they're going to use. Uh, they go to the planet and they're like, "Hey, we want our." Our people back. Oh, right. And they have all those spaceships there, so obviously it seems like they can't just take them by force. And they imply that they can't just beam them up. Right, because um, they have a planet-wide shield. Yes. Which, <laughs> uh, maybe you wouldn't have a worker shortage if you didn't need to operate a <laughs> planet-wide shield. That's right. That's the first thing uh, maybe you should cut back on. Yeah. But if we didn't have a planet-wide shield, they'd steal our workers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. Yes. Which came first, the planetary shield or the worker shortage? Um, but Lost to history. <laughs> the, uh, the the weird thing here is that they, they have this whole scene, and he talks to them, and then they, they're like, well, we got to get back to that planet, but now he's seen us, so we can't, we can't, we can't do this. That one guy uh, has seen us. 
So, Chakotay, you cannot go. <laughs> Looking yeah, like that. They, uh, uh, they, instead, what they do is they, they doll him up in some uh, disguise that really just makes him look like Chakotay. Uh, with <laughs> just a lumpy forehead. Kind of makes uh, him look more like Chakotay, honestly. <laughs> It's 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 it is the uh it's not even as good as like having a mustache. This is the Clark Kent glasses of, of disguises right here. Yes. Um they should have given and, him a mustache in addition, or like a beard or something. Oh, uh, that would have been sweet. Like a handlebar mustache, maybe a Fu Manchu. <laughs> yes. That would they do, I guess, get rid of the the tattoo, so I guess that is like a defining feature of Chakotay. I have a, I have an issue with that, but I'll well I'll wait for it for the second episode to bring that one up. <laughs> the but the whole thing, their, their amazing plan is that the <laughs> most experienced person on the ship is going to get into a shuttle with Neelix. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, Always his, a great idea. <laughs> yeah, his lumpy little cargo ship, because uh, he's been talking to some people, and they there turns out there's a labor, labor shortage, and so they go get a job down on the planet. Um, they get uh, busted uh, down there on the planet. Um, and the whole entire time, there had been this other subplot of Balana being mm-hmm. a, a mother by herself, oh, yeah. and she was going to have to like give birth and raise this kid. And Tom's just trying to, you know, be a nice guy, even though they don't know they're together or that it's his kid. Well, true uh, love, you cannot, you cannot fight true love. Yes. Well, I'm surprised they didn't kiss, and then it was like true love's kiss broke the curse. Anyway, so <laughs> they 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 have that, and then she leaves the bar. Chicote goes off after her, and this is after they've all figured out. Nothing. No, nobody knows who they are, which took way too long to establish. <laughs> yes, they they have many conversations with people. Uh, in are you, which are you sure like, you don't know who I am? <laughs> Neelix is like, are you sure you don't like space flight, Tom Paris? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I, I hate it. Uh, are you sure? <laughs> nope. Uh, very happy in this bar. <laughs> okay. It's, it's well executed. <laughs> they 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 go through that whole thing, and then they decide to abduct Balana. <laughs> Um, it was a very strange scene. <laughs> yes, it was incredibly bizarre. Uh, it, it was shot very strangely. Uh, it, it's it's sort of weirdly menacing, but we yes. know that it's not menacing because exactly. we know that it's Neelix and Chicote. <laughs> but it does look if you did not if you just watched that scene and you had never seen Voyager before, you would think that these men are assaulting this pregnant woman. <laughs> yeah, but I've seen forty minutes of at least this episode to get to this point. Um, so. Yeah, it, it, it is it is a strange directorial choice, I think. Yes. But they do. Um, they kind of rough her up. <laughs> <laughs> For no apparent reason. And then beam her onto Voyager. Uh, but they can't beam Chakotay because uh, the ships found them, right? Because they had to lower their shields or something. Or raise their shields because some ships found them. And so Chakotay is left on the planet. Uh, and Bolana had yelled out for the security forces. So apparently uh, they have lots of security people, too. Because, like, instantly, two dudes show up and run after Chakotay. Yeah, well, you need the Labor uh, Enforcement Bureau there <laughs> to make sure that all your laborers are working. That's true. You don't want all these rowdy laborers just laying around. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's oh, so silly. Uh, but the the other thing with the... Uh, uh, they, they don't beam him up, and I can't remember the reason why they say they don't beam him up, or if they just forgot. <laughs> They're like, oh, too late now. Damn it. Uh, and the, then he's left on the planet by himself, but instead of going back to Neelix's shuttle and taking that off the planet, mm-hmm. at no point for this rest of this episode or the episode following does he do that. Instead, he just sort of runs around and hides on the planet. <laughs> he does. Which, which seems ill-advised, I think. <laughs> he takes the opportunity to... So at this point, 
this is when Janeway uh, Jaffin is uh, the local guy and who is Janeway's love interest, and they have decided uh, that they're going to move in together, or Janeway's moving in with Jaffin. Uh, and they had this weird scene in the bar where Chakotay's like, oh, I'm new here. And Janeway's like, oh, you should have dinner with Jaffin and I. And Jaffin's like, I really wanted to have dinner alone. And so she's like, sorry, Chakotay. And uh, <laughs> they have dinner alone. And he says, oh, you should move in. And she's like, yeah, that's great. Uh, and then she tells Chakotay that. And then he decides he's been shot by the security people, right? So he decides, well, I will go to Janeway's apartment, which should be empty. And I'll hang out there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, that, that's actually the second episode. Oh, they have the, see, look, it's all blurring together. <laughs> yeah, into one fine episode. <laughs> but the, the it, well, they have the because they have the faux cliffhanger um, here, where it's like, oh no, is he gonna oh, be able right. to dodge the security mm-hmm. forces? There's this shield that traps him, uh, and and then they do this complex intercutting between you know Voyager escaping and uh, uh, you know the, Captain Janeway and Jaffin talking. Um, and that that pays off majorly in the first minute of the next episode where we <laughs> resolve that <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> yes, very very quickly. Um another weird weird thing is when once we do have this cliffhanger and we pick up with the next episode, not only does it feel like parts of that episode are differently written than parts of this episode, but the directing also changes. Uh the director of the first half and the director of the second half are different with Roxanne Dawson directing the second half. Uh which I don't know if if I was trying to make this feel like it was one cohesive story, I, I think I would have tried a little harder uh, to, to to have <laughs> just to have this general, feel like really one. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, but maybe it, having the same director for both episodes would have helped. Yeah, uh, especially since I feel like the first episode is the weaker of the two. I agree. Uh, it I feels think... like it's the most exposition and nothing happening of of both of them yeah they spend all of the first episode basically trying to convince the audience that janeway and her crew are on this planet and they don't know they don't think it's weird right uh which they could have done and in fact they did a fine job of doing that within like the first five minutes of the episode but then they spent another half hour just continuing to drill this into us and like okay we get it (laughs) yeah it was one of those things where I, i I can't remember when it was, but the first inkling that we have of what this evil plan is that has trapped them on this planet is when Tuvok has his first little flashback when mm. they go to do the inoculation, um, which I think like might be 20-ish, 30 minutes into the episode. Uh, well, 20-ish. It, it, it's not quick. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, feels, it is not. It, it feels very long and drawn out, and the establishing of all the different people having their own unique lives on these planets Mm -hmm. um like i I can see why they wanted to set it up uh this way because they wanted to have like the the payoff of they get back together and like oh wasn't that weird um (laughs) that you know we didn't know each other and we fell in love anyways uh but it just is odd (laughs) because it takes forever and it it doesn't uh have any direct impact on the story of that one particular episode um, especially when they're talking about all these little B stories like Tom and Bellana, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just strange. Yeah. Uh, and then all the action uh, is in the second part, really, uh, which I mean, is not saying much because I think the second part is better than the first part, but, uh, you know, that's uh, yeah. kind of damning it with faint praise, really. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough 
tough uh, achievement to to be better than the first half of the season. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we start off with you know the cliffhanger. Oh no, Chakota, he's going to get captured. He doesn't get captured. Uh, he damages the the power grid. He escapes. Uh, everybody is happy, and this is when he goes to Janeway's apartment. Um, but even though I don't know, it's I don't it's unclear how he knows where Captain Janeway lives, but he does. Uh, I don't. I, maybe she told him. I don't know. Uh, you don't have to, I suppose you don't have to show everything, but it just seemed odd that he knew exactly where she lived. Uh, and then meanwhile on Voyager, they're getting attacked by some people. Uh, and they play up the tension between Harry Kim and the doctor. The doc, this is where the doctor blows up the photon torpedo. And, uh, there's a photonic shock wave that knocks the other ships out. And Carrie Kim is impressed. Um, and, uh, let's see what else happens in this episode. I have to, I'm looking at the memory alpha website because even though I watched this an hour ago, <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> you, what happened. You're saying it didn't have a lot of staying power. <laughs> it did not, and I watched it an hour ago for the second time. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well the the first few minutes of this episode, I think, are, are really muddled because you're trying to resolve all of the cliffhangery threads from mm-hmm. the first part. Uh, so, like you're saying, they they get away, uh, although they are damaged and they uh, uh, can't get Chicote. Um, but he's stuck there with the transceiver and he goes back to the bar, um, having been wounded by the security guys and he hangs out there for a couple minutes, which none of that seemed like a good idea. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, they established that the detective was looking for him, um, and, and that he, he'll, he'll be hot on their tails, uh, hot on his tails now and looking for him, which is why he hides in Janeway's apartment. Right. And um, Tom Paris is like, oh, he was right over there. And then, but he's not there. And then Tom's like, what? <laughs> yeah. And it <laughs> was the detective, poor, poor guy's not very good at his job. Um, yeah, they, really. I think they have a detective shortage. Uh, <laughs> well, they're all in the power plant. The, the power plant <laughs> is very important. <laughs> they have these shields. Keep that shield up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, no. And so, <laughs> yes, Torres is Bolana's back on Voyager. Uh, she's not happy about it, uh, but they sit. They um, the doctor uh, scans her brain and says, "Oh no, that someone's been messing with her memories. Uh, someone who's highly adept at this is messing with her memories and taking out parts and implanting other parts." Uh, and so he tries to uh, fix her brain. <laughs> basically but it'll take some time uh and then meanwhile we see tuvok and this is kind of nice so balana is being examined by a doctor tuvok is being examined by uh some, some doctors on the planet and they're uh the, everybody ralph mouth diagnoses everybody with dysphoria syndrome uh and that is the the clue that he is going to brainwash them and sell them into the labor uh but his his little uh, assistant doctor doesn't know that and he's like dysphoria syndrome is super rare how come everybody has it all of a sudden <laughs> <laughs> this this is one of those things where i'm not sure and i don't i don't know entirely why we have this doctor okay I, 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 I the the assistant doctor whatever whatever his actual name is i can't even remember but the uh the assistant doctor i don't feel does anything of any real importance in the episode um the it, it seemed it seemed like they spent a lot of time establishing some sort of difference or separation between him and the uh, the main doctor um, for no 
no real reason, because uh, every his plans get foiled through no action of this this assistant at all. Uh, so it, it it's bizarre. Yeah, they spend yeah. some time kind of basically saying he's questioning uh, Doctor Ralph Mouth, uh, but Ralph Mouth is like, "I am an expert. Are you questioning me?" And then the other doctor's like, "No, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right." <laughs> uh, but the, he's he, his he's uh, suspicious. But as you said, he doesn't do anything about it. Uh, and Seven of Nine uh, is like, hey, what happened to Tuvok? And uh, they're like, uh, he's off because he has this syndrome. And she's like, oh, no, maybe I have it too because it's contagious. Uh, but she's really suspicious about what's happening. Uh, and so she goes off to uh... – oh, no, and this is the detective finds Seven of Nine. And he's like, have you seen Neelix or Bolana? And she's like, no, they haven't uh, come up. And then uh, he asks about Chakotay. And uh, nobody knows where Chakotay is, <laughs> except for Captain Janeway, who finds him in her apartment, uh, where they have this weird scene before this where Jaffin, she's moving her stuff into Jaffin's apartment, and the big joke. There's some weird, a lot of weird Janeway stuff. She can't cook, and that is played for comic relief, apparently, uh, which I thought was weird. Uh, and then they have this scene where she's only been on the planet for three weeks, but she has all kinds of random crap that she's collected. <laughs> Yeah, well, and it was also strange that they gave her this obsession with, uh, like, what was it, fused plasma yeah, bolts? Yeah, she collects re- them. Relays. <laughs> yes, and so she's, like, sitting there putting it on the coffee table and turning it in different directions, and it, it was a, a, a very strange character affectation, I feel, to give someone in the seventh season of <laughs> this show. Yes, all of a sudden, she loves fused plasma relays. Maybe it's a side, side effect of a dysphoria syndrome. <laughs> maybe. Uh, you, you would think that maybe they would try to have her obsessed with something that she has been interested in throughout the season to kind of have a callback. I don't know what that would be, uh, but I, I guess they just pick plasma relays for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it would be a little hard to have a callback to Leonardo da Vinci on... I guess uh, that's true. The planet. <laughs> I just love uh, masterpieces from Earth, so <laughs> I print them out, <laughs> and now they're everywhere. Uh, and yeah, so she has all the stuff, and <gasps> she has even more stuff, so she has to go back to her apartment and get it. Uh, and who's there but Chakotay? Uh, and she's like, what the hell are you doing here? And he's like, oh, you are the captain of my ship. And she's like, no, I'm not. Uh, and he's like, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it, it's 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 it also troubling that they have one of those uh, scenes where it's like I'm not, I'm not here. It, it, this is reading a direct quote. I'm not here to hurt anyone. You have to trust me. You're pointing a weapon at me, and and so this is <laughs> the kind of dialogue that I I would I would think that they could have done a little little better than that. It it, it just it was a very strange scene because there also isn't any motivation for her to trust him. No, um, she just like, met like him. She, yeah, she just met him. He did point a gun at her. He, he broke might be into responsible. Her yeah, he might he might be responsible for the uh, disappearance of uh, someone that he that she worked with at the plant. Uh, it doesn't really seem like it's a good idea to trust him at all. But she does, and she helps him uh, with his wounds. Uh, and this, through a series of events, makes uh, Seven of Nine look into Tuvok's records. Uh, and she can't find out anything about his race. And then she's like, well, show me all the records that Tuvok has looked at. And so she sees basically the crew roster uh, for the Voyager. Uh, and that makes her think, well, I should look into this more for some reason. 
Yeah. Well, it was it was also strange that she could only access these files from um, the guy, the foreman's command console. Right. But she asks it to tell her who Tuvok was looking at, and so how did Tuvok have access to <laughs> command personnel stuff that she didn't have? It was, it was very weird. Well, Tuvok's job was to uh, make sure that the uh, the supervisor's console was working. So he had <laughs> access to that. And so he just used that. Uh, Clearly. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so Jaffin, Janeway goes and says, hey, Chakotay was hiding in my apartment, but he thinks I'm, he's from the spaceship, but he thinks I'm his captain. And Jaffin's like, he's crazy. <laughs> Which... You know, uh, is a, the reaction you should have because it does seem kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, it was one of those weird things about Jaffin. Um, he's he's a very safe character uh, in that he doesn't really seem to have any flaws. Um, he's just kind of bland, just uh, a, a dude. Yeah, just who, just some guy and a he... wonky cooking console. <laughs> uh, although I feel like the the cooking console might be uh, uh, unfairly maligned. Um, <laughs> Possibly. It may be that Janeway is just not very good at cooking. But <laughs> no. but the uh, uh, the whole thing here with uh, he talks her into, you know, turning him over to the cops and they show up and there's a little face-off thing there. Oh, uh, uh, sorry. The, that that happens later. Uh, first is the dermal regenerator scene. Ah, uh, yes. Um, where this is where I was going to say the the thing that bothers me about this is that he uses a device which is supposed to repair skin to take off the fake reconstruction skin that's mm-hmm. on his forehead and perfectly reveal uh, his human head and, and a tattoo, yes. which is not uh, <laughs> just not it's not a repair. <laughs> That is true, but it, it restores your any tattoos that you have uh, for some reason. I don't know why. Yes, that 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 was strange. But it, you don't want to see Chakotay's normal face without his tattoo. That's just weird. Yeah, that that would, that would have been so bizarre. Uh, but the uh, anyway, they 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 do that, and then I think she. This is when he uh, she she goes to talk to Jaffin, and it's like, yeah, we should probably turn him over, and they turn him over, and. Yep. That's that's as exciting as that gets. <laughs> but meanwhile, the excitement on Voyager is that Neelix is cooking pancakes. So, <laughs> uh, in order to revive Bolana's memories, he thinks, I'll give you your favorite breakfast, which is apparently pancakes and maple syrup. Which made me think, where did he get the maple syrup? Well, this is one of those inconsistencies with Voyager where at the beginning they had the replicator rations, and this is the whole reason why they needed to have Neelix cooking things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is very clear, I think, by this point in the series that they'll just have Earth food whenever they want to have Earth food. <laughs> so um, the replicators are working, is what you're saying. I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that this was replicated maple syrup. and uh, But he might have actually replicated the flour and replicated the eggs and then <laughs> made pancakes, uh, replicated the butter and made pancakes uh, from scratch for no particular reason. And then he may have uh, replicated a maple tree. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> He <laughs> put that down in Kess's garden. That's right. Um, <laughs> it has to be sugar seasoned. <laughs> it's a very complicated breakfast. I hope Bolana appreciates all the work Neelix went into. Yeah, it, it didn't make a lot of sense. But anyway, he, he has a nice little moment where he says, you know, it's, it can be like time travel. You know, it can take you to mm-hmm. uh, your past experiences and another place in your life. And then she 
retorts that it, they're just fine. They're, they're okay pancakes. They're not these, that great. These, <laughs> these are all right. Uh, and actually, you know, Neelix, who I also don't really like as a character, he's pretty good in this episode uh, as Neelix goes. Um, I think it helps that Harry Kim is so awful in this episode uh, that he kind of outshines Neelix's general awfulness uh, because Neelix has actually a good idea and and Chakotay in the first episode actually utters the words, good idea, Neelix, when Neelix <laughs> says, well, why don't we take my ship? Uh, and that was a good idea, although they immediately forget about that ship when they could escape, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's not Neelix's fault. He's not there. <laughs> Uh, and he talks to Balada, so he's very good there. Uh, I mean, he doesn't have a huge part in this episode, which probably also helps, but... Uh, that, that, yeah, that might be the number one reason why <laughs> you enjoy him so much. Just a, a little dash of Neelix goes a long way. Yes. Uh, like, like, a, like a spice. Um, <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to overspice the dish. Right. Talaxian cinnamon. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what Neelix is. Uh, and so then we go back to the doctors, and the doctor, the assistant doctor's like, oh no, dys- dysphoria syndrome is spreading everywhere because everybody has it. And Ralph Malf is like, stop asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, can't you see I have the plant form in here? This isn't suspicious at all. <laughs> That's right. He just needs a physical. <laughs> Uh, of course i have a handle on the situation that's 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 we don't you think i know that uh no yeah and then seven of nine talks to the detective and he's like you know hey all these 138 people showed up at the same time uh don't you think that's weird and the detective is like no i don't think that's weird at all (laughs) which (laughs) seems odd uh and then this is when we find out that the detective has been basically suspended or something uh because he's been asking the wrong questions but then 709 says, well, let's go to the hospital, figure out what's happened um, for whatever reason. So she goes to the hospital. She sees the assistant doctor uh, who's like, oh, you were treated here for dysphoria. Um, dis- yeah, dysphoria syndrome. Dysphoria. Dysphoria. I can't even say yeah. it anymore. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's not real. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not it a real isn't thing. <laughs> uh, and he's like, oh, that's weird because a lot of other people have been having it. And this is so super rare. Uh, and she's like, well, whatever, I feel fine. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, well, go get the real doctor. I want to talk to the expert. And he's like, okay. Uh, and she uses that moment in, to look at his uh, uh, his database or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, his, his unlocked console to see how many people have been treated uh, for the syndrome. Yeah, and <laughs> she she uh, hacks in through the back door. That's right. Uh, to the mainframe. <laughs> Um, but they, she takes the information somehow on a, I don't know, thumb drive or something, uh, back to the, uh, detective, uh, to, to explain that, you know, all of the same people, these are the ones that are affected. Uh, they mm-hmm. all have dysphoria syndrome. Like this must be the, uh, the reason that you have the evidence to actually go do something. Right. Um, which is, is kind of sad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's not uh, the best detective. <laughs> no. And Ralph Malv is very upset that uh, the assistant doctor has just let Seven of Nine leave. Uh, he's like, what the hell? My whole plot is unraveling. Don't you understand? But he doesn't actually say that. But uh, it is clear he's not happy. Uh, uh, and then uh, what happens? Uh, Chakotay, she remembers stuff about Chakotay. Uh, they go to the power plant to see if they can get the subspace transceiver uh, which I have no memory of. <laughs> and... Well, that's that's when they break into the foreman's office to use his 
space telephone, basically, oh. um, so that they can contact uh, Voyager since mm-hmm. they don't have access to the the actual transceiver. Uh, and it, it is so strange that um, they, they had this moment when Chakotay was there and was explaining the device, and he's like, "Oh, they're." you know, operate on a triaxillating whatever frequency. Mm. And so when they go to the thing leader, Janeway's like, oh, I remember this. It's a triaxillating whatever frequency. <laughs> so <laughs> it, of doesn't, it doesn't seem like that's like a phone number or anything. <laughs> I don't know how she contacted Voyager that way. She's very good with consoles, yeah. uh, as, as was established in the first episode. <laughs> Where she accidentally almost blew everything up. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> which, which comes into play later. <laughs> that's true, because she does actually blow up everything. <laughs> uh, and then she sends a transmission right to Voyager, and she's uh, surprised to see Bellana there. Uh, and she's like, and Voyager basically says, well, you should lower the shields, and then we can beam everybody up. And she's like, okay. <laughs> um, and so they try to lower the shields, but the security forces are uh, pinning them down. Uh, and then they find out that, oh, I guess we skipped over this part, that Chakotay has these subdermal transceiver in uh, in him, uh, and when they capture Chakotay, they find it, and then they use, Ralph Mouth uses his memory manipulator to make uh, Chakotay tell Voyager to rendezvous at a certain point uh, at a certain time. Uh, and then, so Voyager's like, okay, we'll do that, and they don't realize it's a trap, so that when they get there, there's like uh, five of these ships that are trying to attack them. Uh, and this is when Ensign Kim does the whole life pod, escape pod thing that blows up and blows up the ships. And everybody's like, woo, that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then we have this scene. So exciting. <laughs> yes. Then we have this very exciting scene that seemed to last for 15 minutes in which uh, Captain Janeway is huddled behind a console, getting shot at by the worst security forces ever as she tries to tap the right button to turn off the shields. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's she's trying to to force the computer into thinking that there's an overload um, right. in the power plant because uh, she's like, I, I know how to do this because that was the first scene I was in. Uh, <laughs> Remember? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it think that it's malfunctioning and then the shields will drop. Uh, so she goes through the whole thing. The shields do drop. Um, and the uh, everybody is unceremoniously beamed up, except poor Jeff. Because <laughs> he's like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. I finally uh, decided to help you guys, and you just leave me down here. Uh, yeah, and he's he's left down there. Uh, and then they go back, and the uh, they find out that the, I guess these people are called Quarrens. The, their ambassador is up there, and he's like, thank you for uncovering this giant, vast conspiracy that doesn't <laughs> seem like it would be that hard to figure out on our own. But... <laughs> I had no idea it was happening, and there are thousands of people we now need to return. Uh, we will treat them and return them to their homes, despite our often stated labor shortage. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, it, it seemed like such a neat conclusion, because um, it doesn't address the labor shortage. It doesn't address any of the problems that the race was having. Um, they're just going to send these people off. I mean, maybe they could have thrown in a nice little line about, hey, uh, you wouldn't have this problem if you didn't operate so many power plants because you needed to operate a planetary shield. Maybe <laughs> maybe. maybe, maybe turn that off or, like, cycle it, you know, like, like during the summer tip. months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, there is really no... It is only going to make their situation worse, in fact, uh, because Ralph Malf explains in a kind of boring scene why he's doing this because he says oh i'm a doctor and i'm you know devoted to people's wellness and if you 
abduct them and wipe their memories. Uh, they get these good jobs and they are well and then the economy is good. And so really it all makes sense, right? Uh, and everyone's like, that makes no sense. <laughs> this is a terrible plan. <laughs> you are a bad uh, man, <laughs> Ralph Mouth. Uh and he gets caught. He gets his comeuppance, I guess. Uh, but we don't really know what happens to him. We assume no. he will be shuttled off to prison, unless there's a scene in which something happens to him, and I blocked it from my memory. No, it, it does, nothing happens to him. He's <laughs> unceremoniously waved away because they they all got beamed out of the room that they were in. Oh, that's right. Yes, and he had Tuvok uh, kind of trussed up. <laughs> yeah, and, and unfortunately, that leaves the. Uh, partially brainwashed assistant doctor <laughs> just stuck there on that table yeah uh, well hopefully so, they'll fix him too when they go back yeah because uh, they had that w- one weird scene where he confronts him about the the data and he's like well are you with me or against me and mm-hmm. we find out eventually that obviously he was against him because he, he was he was getting a uh, mind wiped that's right um, that's a mind wiping <laughs> and who knows we, he may have done this this may be like a groundhog's day for that assistant doctor he may have just discover this every few months and have his mind wiped uh and you know discover it again <laughs> And oh, this maybe time. that's how he got everybody in on his plan to begin with. He just started with uh, with one person who was just <laughs> mind-wiping everyone to think that this was a good plan. <laughs> that that could explain it. And then they're like, you know what? We should have a planetary shield. <laughs> that's stupid. Mind-wipe him. <laughs> that's a great idea. Let's do uh, it. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a little like the Neuralizer in Men Black. Um, mm. if, you could, if you could just so selectively operate on these, on these memories. Uh, but it... it it is it is an unsatisfying conclusion to a very unsatisfying episode and uh we have of course the uh the conclusion of the b story with tom and balana uh which uh is supposed to make me feel good about them it just makes me think that tom paris is a simpleton because he's laughing at (laughs) non-funny ancient cartoons uh and eating cereal uh, and I thought, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> and then Bellana's like, yeah. oh, thank you for looking out for me, even though you didn't know I was me. Uh, and then she punches him because he flirted with other people. And he's like, well, I was brainwashed. Uh. And then you're yeah. like, ugh. <laughs> I, I, never, I never, was never super won over by their relationship. Uh, but kudos to them. Um, they, they made it work. <laughs> that's that's true. And then we have the, the scene where Jeff and uh, I guess Janeway has beamed up Jeff and, and she's like, you know, I do like you uh, and I would offer you, we can always use an engineer because we do, in fact, have our own localized labor shortage. <laughs> but we couldn't fraternize. Uh, so sadly, I cannot uh, have you on here. And he was like, well, I don't want to be on here anyway because I got a promotion. <laughs> and she's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, something unfortunate happened to the previous foreman. That's right. Um, <laughs> no one knows what happened. Uh, yeah. but he is in prison or dead. Uh, and so he goes away. And then there's this little scene where Janeway goes on the bridge. And she's like, well, even though my memories weren't real, it did feel like home. And Chakotay's like, whatever. And uh, that's it. <laughs> well, he's like, oh, do you do you regret like that you, uh, uh, saving you and bringing you back on the ship. And she's like, not for a minute. Uh, you know, uh, she, you know, I, I can't blame her because she's certainly done far more interesting things on the series than push buttons at a console. So it's true. And that would have been her whole life on that planet. It was just working in the power plant. Probably. She probably would have been supervisor of the power plant sooner or later, uh, because she's that kind of lady. Uh, but still, 
I think being the captain of a starship beats out being a supervisor at a ridiculous uh, power plant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so she, she made the right choice. Uh, and good uh, good job, Chakotay, for rescuing everybody. Um, Chakotay, I kind of like Chakotay. I know a lot of people don't like Chakotay. Uh, but given the cast of characters on Voyager, he is one of my uh, more favorite Voyager characters. I think my problem with him is that he has a certain blandness to him. Um, he's a... Uh, very generic and just sort of seems to fill whatever role they need him to fill in an episode in terms of action or dialogue uh, mm-hmm. in order to move from one scene to another. Uh, he doesn't get a lot of character development except in those Chicote heavy episodes. And every time there's one of those, it's really painful to watch because I don't feel like they do a good job. Um, no. he, he, they've done a horrible job. <laughs> the problem with Chicote. Uh, and the Chakotay Heavy episodes is that they're always, let's make them super spiritual and full of fake Native American stuff, uh, because why would it be real Native American stuff? Uh, and so that makes Chakotay's character a little complicated. <laughs> yeah, it, it is It is very disappointing. Uh, but there is one good Chakotay-focused episode, and that's when the ship is, uh, I think it's called Shattered, when the, the, the ship is in different time zones, to, time periods of the show's run. Um, that one works out well he's the only one who can travel around and uh fix this problem oh, um does he use his uh waking dreaming or whatever that is to uh no, go from timeline to timeline that's why i said it's a good thing because he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't actually do any of the normal stuff you might expect he doesn't have Chicote a spirit animal episode. guide him from uh, timeline to timeline oh, God. <laughs> or, or the uh uh what was that one with the uh the flashbacks to uh when he was a, a kid uh oh, it, was, it was that one was also bad i can't even remember the details of it. It, it it just the whole thing all of the stuff that they give him to do is just not good it's always disappointing so i i will say he's a problematic character but i do mm-hmm. like him uh as an actor and i think he has his moments uh and you know, once again, I've said this already, but it's kind of damning him with faint praise because of the other characters. I mean, I like Janeway; she's a great character. Uh, the Doctor, obviously, a great character. Seven of Nine is a very good character, and then uh, rapidly you drop off on Voyager. I don't. I mean, I've never really liked Tuvok. Uh, I mean, oh, really? Like, I I like Tuvok. Uh, I don't uh, feel like they gave him much to do, though. Well, that's why I didn't like him because he was just oh. kind of standing there, and I feel like they could have used him more, but he just kind of chills out. Uh, but he is a good Vulcan. I think he's probably, uh, if you were to list your favorite Vulcans in Star Trek, uh, he would certainly be high on the list. Uh, obviously, Spock is number one uh, as the best Vulcan. Uh, I think maybe Sarek would be number two. Uh, and then maybe, maybe Tuvok. Uh, I don't know where T'Pol would fit, but certainly after Tuvok, I think. But Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, T'Pol is one of my least favorite Vulcans. Um uh, in terms of like uh, recurring cast characters, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like even um, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Ambassador Soval. Uh, oh. <laughs> I think I think he I think he was even even though he was just a jerk. I feel like he was slightly more appealing than she was. <laughs> yeah, she Enterprise. When you look at likable characters, uh, Voyager has maybe three or four. Uh, Enterprise. Uh, one maybe because I like Doctor Flocks. Uh, everybody else, I could I could just leave. 
I'd like a, I would rather they did a Star Trek that was just like Dr. Flock's medicine alien uh, <laughs> than have had the Enterprise. Uh, but they, they, that probably wouldn't have made any sense. But still, I would have watched that show. Uh, well, uh, not to, well, I guess we're done talking about the episodes. It's not really a tangent. <laughs> but uh, from those Enterprise episodes, like I, I don't despise any of the characters outright except for Mayweather because I feel like... <laughs> It just never worked in any of his episodes. Um, with Malcolm, they finally did redeem him by giving the ho- him the whole Section 31 subplot thing mm-hmm. um, for him to go through. But for everybody else, they almost had no interesting character traits. Um, they would have weird things that they would put in to like make them seem quirky uh, with with uh, or or and uh, also weirdly adept at like a specific task which is why they had to be on the ship mm-hmm. uh, so it would always just rotate through that stuff and it just never gelled in terms of their character arcs it was just so dull and boring um yes. i think even worse than chakotay <laughs> i agree at least i think chakotay's boring is kind of maybe a choice in that he's like a stalwart second in command he's like a solid guy you know what he's gonna do uh they sprinkle in this native american stuff which is problematic but uh, he's kind of like a good officer, even though he was a mucky, right? But whatever. Uh, he is still an able man. Everybody on the Enterprise, you feel like they were really trying to make them interesting, and yet they're still boring. Yeah. It's, it's a disappointment. And also, it does recycle a lot of things from Next Generation and from Voyager, mm-hmm. uh, which also heard it because voyager also recycled a lot of things from next generation <laughs> it's true it's like the yeah. third time round. uh try to do something interesting people yeah. uh, mind uh, wipes you've never seen those before <laughs> how uh, about abducting the crew never right. seen that before <laughs> the ship is empty it's crazy no we've seen this before <laughs> yeah. but there was a dog so i do like porthos so shout mm-hmm. out once again to porthos because uh, he's cute <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. So, well, why don't we talk about who, I think you, you wrote a blog post about this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, uh, just because we have so much time. Let's spend a little bit of time talking about your favorite Star Trek character across all series. Who would you pick? Oh, now I can't remember what I wrote, uh, but I think it was Data. It was between Data and Spock. Um, that is and, correct. Uh, yeah, I... I... <laughs> I'm being quizzed on on what I wrote. Uh, But the, yeah, it was between Data and Spock. Uh, I really love Spock, um, but uh, Data, I I think, uh, was more appealing to me uh, in my formative years um, as as his version of the outsider story, Uh, although they do have many similarities between Data and Spock. Yes, well, clearly Data is kind of like uh, the spiritual grandson of, or son, not grandson, of Spock. Uh, they fulfill the same role in a lot of ways. Uh, but I do like Data. Data is one of my favorite characters. Spock, also one of my favorite characters. Uh, although I picked uh, Worf as my favorite character just because he's grumpy. Uh, and <laughs> I, I enjoy the many things that the writers put Worf through in both TNG and DS9. Uh, they just... He, Michael Dorn is just so good at being unhappy and uncomfortable uh, that it amuses me every time they do that. Yes, it is a, it is a particular skill set of him because he's, he's not a merry man. He, exactly. That is one of <laughs> the highlights of Worf. Uh, I also enjoy the Deep Space Nine episode when they're playing baseball against the Vulcans and he um, says, death to the opposition. I... 
I despise that episode. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a good episode. I'm saying it's no. a good Worf moment. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of, of good Vulcans and bad Vulcans, not, not good Vulcans in that episode either. No, uh, no. Uh, Baseball-obsessed Vulcans, which is weird, but... <laughs> yes. Uh, that was a weird episode. And eventually, I will talk about it on this podcast with somebody. Maybe even you, Joe, if you come back on. Um, but I can, I can make no promises as to what episodes... Well, back. I can only hope that I get another Voyager two-parter because <laughs> I, can't, I can't think there there would be any that are worse than this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is not a good... I mean, generally I end and ask, well, did you like this episode or not? And it is clear, I think, for, I can speak for both of us when I say these episodes are not good. Yeah, uh, not not only not good, but they're not like, watch this and have a laugh at how not good they are. <laughs> this is like... The drudgery. <laughs> yeah, these are, it's just not, I don't understand. It should have been one episode. I think if it were combined into one episode, it still wouldn't be good, but no. it would be okay. <laughs> It'd be shorter, <laughs> which would help. It would take less time to watch. It would take less time to go through the ridiculous plot. Because um, yes. I, th- I think that's one of the ma- main things is like, you, you could you could say like, oh, well, if it was shorter or if they changed this about the plot or if they did this other thing. And it's like, well, at this point, I think we're trying to fix something that is clearly not working at all <laughs> this whole this whole story structure and and all of the b plots and the strange things that they had happen uh, the uh, nice moments of character stuff that they wanted to put in like everything just fell apart um it, yeah. it is it is a bit of a mess it is and it's a shame because i think at the root of it is a good idea uh, but you can't see it through all this other these the shellacking of bad on it. You, it makes it hard to see the good, the kernel of good, in there. And I mix like four metaphors in that one phrase. Um, <laughs> this shellacked kernel of good. Exactly, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a common phrase. <laughs> Just to ask uh, a Ralph Mouth. Um, but Don Most, good job, Don Most. You play kind of a creepy, ineffectual conspiracy doctor. Uh, so. I see- I actually feel the reverse. I was not won over by by his portrayal of this doctor. I didn't feel like he was as creepy and weird and and strange and terrible as he needed to be. Uh, I think we've I think we've seen far more effective uh, evil doctors on on uh, Star Trek before in terms of the mad scientist template. He, he just sort of felt like some guy who had an idea one time and just didn't want to have to walk back his idea. And so he was just going to make it work. I am committed and it's going to happen. And I'm just going to keep mind wiping people until this works. But he has the, the bonus of having been on happy days. And so that just amuses me every time I see him, which I'm sure doesn't help his acting career. Um, but Hey, it is what it is, right? Yeah. I'm sure yeah. he still gets Happy Days checks. So, uh, oh, do you think he still gets a residual check from his appearance on, on, on this wonderful uh, two-part episode? I'm sure he does. I don't know how often <laughs> they repeat it, but he probably gets maybe a quarter every year. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> well, he's he's doing all right. I think he's. Yeah. I think he was on a couple other um, Andrew, uh, Star Treks, maybe. Uh, or this may be his only appearance. I don't know. If only there were some way of me to find this out. But yes, uh, if only there was a alpha kind of memory level thing, some, some primary source. Uh, uh, no, apparently <laughs> this is this is in fact his only appearance in the Star Trek universe. So uh, yeah. sad, sad for him. But we'll always have happy days. So uh, yeah, I don't think Doctor Caden is really what people are going to remember Don most for. Um, no. 
or or not, this episode. Not, yeah, yeah it, it won't be the the most uh, exciting part. Of this uh, I, I see yes. what you did there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was so subtle. It was uh, uh, oh, you stuck it almost snuck it past me, but I'm mm-hmm. a keen observer. Uh, well, Joe, thank you so much for being on. Even after you found out that you were getting a Voyager two parter to talk about, it was it was a roller coaster ride of emotion that I experienced <laughs> when I received your email because I had always wanted to be on this this wonderful series and uh, I, I was so jealous of of John Syracuse getting uh, the Waltz uh, episode of Deep Space Nine, which is such an amazing episode and. Uh, I, I I I drew a short straw. <laughs> so, That's true. And the like uh, in future. Here's a, a sneak peek into future episodes. Uh, the next two that I drew uh, are both original series. I don't know how you feel about original series, but Squire of Gothos and Mirror Mirror are the two episodes that were picked oh. after this, and those are some pretty good episodes. <laughs> so. I just watched Squire of Gothos recently. Uh, that was. Because uh, I, I had just finished reading the uh, first season Star oh, Trek book. Yep, these are the voyages. Yes, and it was very good. Uh, although I did kind of skim past some numbers about yes. ratings and airing times and budgets. That, um, that guy was obsessed with uh, <laughs> the ratings, and I, as I was, re- I, I also just finished reading that book. Uh, and as I was reading it, it dawned on me about halfway through when he was like, "The ratings weren't so bad, Star Trek." always came in either second or third and then i realized there were only three networks yeah (laughs) it's not like something you should be tooting your horn about but anyway continue with your story oh no i was just gonna i was i was gonna agree with you that so that was a weird that's something that's stuck in his craw that he he takes very personally uh, because he he spends a lot of time on that but it it was interesting to read back through that uh and because i also didn't really have a grasp of the order of the episodes of the original series either in terms of what they filmed or what they aired Mm -hmm. uh because i was not alive um and so everything i'd seen had been out of order in syndication uh and so after watch after reading the book I decided to go back and re- watch a couple of the episodes that I didn't remember too fondly, uh, including this, the bunny rabbit one, because... Oh, ah, yes. Yeah. Shore Leave, is that what that's one called? Right? Yes, that's, that, that was the name of it. <laughs> I, I, he has a certain fondness for that in the book, which I also don't appreciate. Well, but the, I was talking know, to, with Jason and David about this, because I said, I enjoyed the book. I think it's well-researched, and obviously he loves Star Trek. Um, but I think he really loves Star Trek because he overlooks a lot of problems with a lot of these episodes. And he's like, no, it's not too bad. And I'm like, mm, it's pretty yeah. bad. <laughs> and he, he defends a lot of uh, Roddenberry's uh, script polishes. Um, yes. And so, yeah, there's some, there's some problems. But it, 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 it provided a lot of information. So it was, it was a good read. Uh, the, and then I watched uh, Squire of Gothos recently, and I still like that episode. It is absolutely ludicrous, uh, but it's <laughs> yes. quite enjoyable. Well, that's what happens. If you can have an all-powerful being, your episode can be ludicrous. Um, And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about that with somebody. Uh, Who is not you, sadly? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Well, they're lucky, whoever he or she is. (laughs) I cannot reveal who it is because I have forgotten. (laughs) But it will be with someone. Uh, Well, thank you again, Joe. uh, And uh, have a good night. You too. Thank you, Scott. Next on Random Trek, the original series Season 1, Episode 18, The Squire of Gothos. 